0: All right. Well, we are going to be picking up where we left off uh, in Numbers chapter 34, going over the borders uh, of the land, the land that was given to the nation of Israel, uh, just as God had promised Abraham uh, all the way back in Genesis um, chapter 15, when he lays out the, the the area of the land that he had given to his ancestors. Uh, and God, we talked about last week, God abides by his promises. Uh, if God says something is going to be, it's going to be, right? Uh, if God promises something, then he's going to fulfill that promise. That's the God that we serve, and that's a very important Uh, lesson for all of us to learn. That's something that each one of us has to be settled on in our own hearts, understanding the promises of God and the things that God say that they are yea and amen, and that's where our faith is put into action. Our faith is put into action. The reason that we obey the word of God uh, and the reason that we seek to line our lives up with the word of God and with, with what God has told us is because we believe that he is true right? Our entire faith, our entire belief system is based on the understanding that God is true. As the Word of God says, let God be true and every man a liar. Well, what does that mean, that God be true and every man a liar? Well, I guess every man lies, but is every man a liar? And I think what Scripture is trying to do there in that portion is to give us perspective, kind of like when Jesus said, uh, "Unless you hate your family, (laughs) uh, you know, compared to me, then then you cannot be my followers." Well, what Jesus certainly wasn't teaching his followers that they needed to hate their family. The Scripture is replete with verses that command us to take care of our family. One portion in the New Testament says, "The person that doesn't provide for his own family." has rejected the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So we certainly know that that's not the case. What Jesus was doing there was he was making a comparison, a stark contrast between our relationship with every single human being on planet Earth and our relationship with him. How how far above and beyond everything else he wants to be in our lives. He wants to be preeminent over all things, over all people, over all relationships. Uh, that's what he has called us to. That's the relationship that God wants. Uh, and so, when the Word of God says, "Let God be true and every man a liar," no matter what, I remember. I can't remember what book it was or who it was that said it, but uh, basically what they were saying was when science or historians uh, end up agreeing with us on some point from scripture, we don't thank them. We don't act as though we're grateful or happy that they agree with us on something. What we have is the written word of God. What we have is God's word given to man to be passed down from generation generation to generation so that everyone would know exactly who God is and what he expects of us. The very fact that you have that book sitting in your lap this morning is a miracle. Study the history of the Bible. Study the history of the Word of God. Satan has attempted to destroy it time and time and time again, just as Satan has sought to destroy God's people time and time again. The fact that you have that book sitting in your lap this morning and that it is true and it is accurate and it is comparable to the ancient scriptures that Moses wrote down and the fathers of old wrote down is miraculous. And it tells us something very important. It tells us that God wants us to have this book. And God wants us to have it for a very specific reason, so that we might know. And if he's gone through all of that trouble and he's done and he's made sure that we have the Bible and then he's given us these promises uh, and made these prophecies and told us these things within the Bible, how important do you think it is in his mind that we obey? How important do you think it is in his mind that we as his children believe that what he said is true? Uh, And so if, are we back up? Perfect. So this is kind of where we left off last week. These are the borders from Numbers chapter 34, verses 1 through 12, where we are at. This is the borders as they're laid out. Uh, If you remember, Reuben and Gad and the half-tribe of Manasseh Before they crossed over the Jordan River to go into the promised land, the pastures on the east side of the Jordan were lush, were fertile, and they were people who kept flocks. And so they said to Moses, we want to stay here. We want this to be our inheritance. Uh, We want this to be where our borders are. And that's not what God had said. And, of course, Moses was upset with them, and he goes through the whole thing, and he tells them, you can keep that if you cross over the Jordan River, help your brothers uh, fight for the land, drive out the inhabitants of Canaan. Then after that's all done, the conquest has been made, my will has been accomplished over there, then you can draw back to where you want to be. Um, the other tribe is uh, that, was, that, that was not... Um, excuse me, that did not stay within the borders that God had given them was, was Dan. Dan was given a, a place in the south but moved to the north, to the northern part of Israel. We're going to go over that. But Dan moved to the northern part of Israel. So the tribes that did not uh, occupy the land that God had given them to occupy were Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, and also the tribe of Dan that moved to the north. And it's interesting to note that Dan was the first tribe to go into idolatry. When the, when the kingdom was divided between Rehoboam uh, and Jeroboam, uh, when that happened, which one was the son of Solomon? I always forget this. Rehoboam or Jeroboam? Rehoboam, right? Okay. That's what I think. If, if any scholars out there are like, he's absolutely backwards, forgive me and bear with me. But Rehoboam was the son of Solomon and he inherited the kingdom. Uh, and you remember the portion of scripture where uh, the elders that some of the church, church, some of the elders from the nation come forward and they say, look, you know, remember during Solomon's kingdom, the things that Solomon built uh, and the accomplishments of Solomon's reign were unprecedented. You know, the, the, just massive construction and massive amounts uh, of, of and beauty, in, you know, in, uh, in, in what am I trying to say? Uh, expanding of the land, expanding of the city of Jerusalem, and expanding of the city of David and, and of the t- building of the temple and all these things, there was so much work that was done that after Solomon died, some of the, tr- some of the tribal elders came to Solomon, uh, Solomon's son, Rehoboam, and said, look, your father put a heavy yoke on us, and we have built so many things, and we have done so many things, but he has put a heavy yoke on us, so we're asking you, basically, give us a break. Can you give us a break? Can we have some, some years of rest uh, now that we've worked so hard to build the things that he commanded us to build? And of course, remember, Rehoboam has, uh, list, talks to the, to the uh, advisors who his father had, and they said, listen to the people. But then he also talked to some of his buddies, uh, some of the younger men, and they said, look, you got to establish yourself. you gotta set, you got to let them know who, who's boss. And so he comes back to the elders and he says, my little finger's thicker than my father's waist. I mean, think of the arrogance of that, to say about King Solomon. Uh, And he scourged you with whips, I'll scourge you with scorpions or something like that. And he answers them roughly, and at that point in time, the kingdom becomes becomes divided. Now, uh, Jeroboam becomes the king of northern Israel, okay? And that's where Dan ends up. And the reason I'm telling you all of this stuff is to say this— He becomes afraid that when people go into the southern kingdom to go to the temple to worship God, that Rehoboam will be able to convince them to come back under his umbrella, under his leadership. And he's so afraid of that that he he erects altars and false gods in nowhere, 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 nowhere else than the tribe of Dan. In the area of the tribe of Dan, that's where the first open idolatry happens in the the nation of Israel uh, during the kingdom years. And he erects this altar and he begins to tell the people to worship there and to serve gods there because he's afraid that he'll lose the people if they head to the south to worship God. So Dan is the first uh, tribe to go into idolatry. They didn't keep God's borders okay? And Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, who settle on the eastern side of the Jordan River, are the first tribes to go into captivity. And we talked about that last week. So the importance of staying within the borders, right, that God has given us. But for our purposes today, I want to focus more on the promises of God, the promise that God gave specifically concerning the land of Israel For Abraham, back in the book of Genesis, for the children of Israel, the tribe of, uh, excuse me, the nation of Israel when they first went into the promised land, and up to and including today. Okay? So I want to read a couple of verses. We already read through chapter... We didn't pray over the scriptures yet this morning. Let's pray real quick. Sorry. Mm -hmm. Heavenly Father, we come before you in Jesus' name, Lord, and we just ask and pray, Father, that you would bless these scriptures to our understanding, Father, that you would allow us to take them and to to put them into our hearts, Father, and and to to learn more of you this morning, Father, through them, that we would see your faithfulness and your greatness, Lord, uh, and our faith would be bolstered, Lord, and our joy would be made even fuller than it already is in you, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, uh, Numbers chapter 34, the borders of the land are laid out, as you see here, but back in Genesis chapter 15, uh, and verses 18 to 21, God said this. He said, on the same, it says, on the same day, the Lord made a covenant with Abram, saying, to your descendants, I have given this land from the river of Egypt to the great river, the river Euphrates the Kenites, the Kenizzites, the Cadmonites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Rephaim, the Amorites, the Canaanites, the Girgashites, and the Jebusites. And remember, God makes this covenant with Abraham. If you want to go to the next uh, slide, I think, I think we have it in the correct order. Can you see where it sticks out there? That's, the, that's what God laid out for Abram. That's where God laid out for Abram. You see how large it is? Now, this is going to come into play later, and this is very interesting, because this is, as you can see, how much larger it is than the borders of Numbers 34. Can you see that? You see how, how giant it is, and that's what God lays out for Abraham, which is interesting, and we're going to come back to that, okay? Okay. And remember, when, he, when Abraham went into the land, God said, I want you to wander now throughout the territory that I've given you, to the east, to the west. And there's this beautiful picture of the freedom that we have in Jesus Christ, that God has given us this, these great promises, and he, we are free in Jesus Christ. You understand? We are free. Uh, any human being or any organization or any church or any religious group that tries to hem you in, other than within the word of God, okay? That's a pasture you don't get to leave, right? There are borders. Right? There's always borders. But other than that, anybody who tries to hem you in or lock you into certain doctrines, uh, to a certain set of beliefs, other than the Word of God, don't ever listen to those people. Don't ever, ever listen to anybody. You answer to Jesus Christ. Amen? You answer to Jesus Christ. The only thing that we ever seek to do here in this church, hopefully, is to teach and preach the word of God to the very best of our ability and trust that the Holy Spirit is going to take these things and imprint them on your heart and speak into your life. We believe in God. We don't have to have some system to keep you guys in line all right, or to try to keep you guys under, under wraps or in order. We trust the Holy Spirit to do that, right? Because if you're a believer in Jesus Christ and you love his word, there should be a beautiful unity that we have through the scriptures. We may not agree on every single thing, and listen, we don't have to. But we agree and understand the main tenets of scripture, and there 's a beautiful, beautiful relationship that comes from that so anyway here's the borders that god is that God gave to Abram okay now I want to fast forward to where we are now and going a little forward into deuteronomy chapter four and verses twenty five to twenty eight and of course, you know when we first when they first come into the land of canaan uh, in Deuteronomy, and they have this time where they the Tribes stand on one uh, one mountain, and the other tribes stand on another mountain, and they pronounce these blessings and these cursings, and there's this whole thing that takes place where God reiterates through Moses the promises that he's given them and the contingencies that they're based upon, right? Always, they're based upon obedience. Any Christian, any believer in God, any follower of Jesus who lives their lives according to their own will and their own ways and their own decrees, you understand, is not under the blessing of God. It doesn't mean that God can't bless them. It doesn't mean that God won't move them, because he will. I I lived that life for many years, right? But you cannot live a life according to your own standard, according to your own way, And believe that you're going to be under the blessing of God. That's just simply not the way it works. God doesn't leave. You leave, right? God lays out the borders for our lives. And he asks us to stay there so that he can fully bless us. And so that's what we have taking place at the beginning of Deuteronomy. Is the promises are being reiterated. Also the laws that God is giving the people are being reiterated. And Deuteronomy 4, 25 to 28 says this. This is Moses speaking to the people. When you beget children and grandchildren and have grown old in the land and act corruptly and make a carved image in the form of anything, Dan, remember, and do evil in the sight of the Lord your God to provoke him to anger, I call heaven and earth to witness against you this day that you will soon utterly perish from the land which you cross over the Jordan to possess. You will not prolong your days in it, but will be utterly destroyed. And the Lord will scatter you among the peoples. And you will be left few in number among the nations where the Lord will drive you. And there you will serve God's, the work of men's hands, wooden stone, which neither see nor hear nor eat nor smell. Somber, right? Very somber. And it's like, thanks, Mo. You know what I mean? Like, we haven't even started yet. And he's like, oh, you're going to screw up. You know what I mean? Now, I want to go to Jeremiah, Chapter 16, now, quick quick history lesson again, okay? Quick history lesson, we're doing Bible outline stuff this morning. The children of Israel come into the promised land that God has given them, right? And Joshua, after Moses dies, God takes Moses, and Joshua is the leader of the nation of Israel now. They go into the promised land, and they drive the inhabitants out, not completely, not fully, and they inhabit the land, the borders, for the most part, that God had given them to inhabit. And they're there in the land and they begin to live life. Well, it doesn't take long after the death of Joshua and the elders of that first generation before the children of Israel, because they have not utterly driven all of the inhabitants of the land of Canaan out of the land, that they begin to be influenced by them and they begin to be brought into idolatry. They start worshiping at high places. They start worshiping the Baals. They start worshiping the Ashtoreths and things of that nature. And throughout the book of Judges, right, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, then Joshua, and then in the book of Judges... It's within the land and the judges that are raised up to rule or or to reign over the people of Israel to lead them and to hear the voice of God. And during that book of Judges, it's like this. You guys who have read it, you know, it's like this. The children of Israel go into idolatry and disobedience and God begins to give them defeat at the hands of their enemies within the land, whoever it might be, the Midianites, the Philistines, you name it. And they, and they begin to, to defeat them in battle. They begin to take back over some of the, the portions of land. And they begin to oppress the children of Israel. The children of Israel cry out to God, please save us. God raises up a deliverer who delivers them from the hand of their enemies. They repent. They go back to serving God. And then they go right back into idolatry. And it's back and forth and back and forth and back and forth until so ultimately they cry out that they want a king to rule over them to be like all of the other nations. And that begins the period of history that we call the kingdom years, okay? Starting with King Saul, right? And then King David. And then his son Solomon, and then after that the kingdom splits, and it's all the history of the kings. If you read through First and Second Kings and First and Second Chronicles, those are the history books of the kings of the nation of Israel, both the northern and the southern. Okay, and during these kingdom years are when some of the greatest prophecies that we have in Scripture are given. Now, when you read through the book of Isaiah and you read through the book of Jeremiah, there are two full books. These are the major prophets. And when you hear the terms major prophets and minor prophets, the only reason that they're major prophets is because the books are bigger. And the only reason that they're called minor prophets is because the books are smaller, okay? It's not importance, it's not validity or anything of that nature. It's simply the size of those books, okay? And when you read through those prophets, They're twofold. First of all, it's judgment. It's that God's judgment is coming because the nation of Israel, after the splitting of the kingdoms primarily, they go deeper and deeper and deeper and deeper into idolatry, into absolute rebellion against God. We talked about this last week until finally later in the kingdom years when this king named Josiah comes to reign, and he loves the Lord and wants to serve the Lord, and he commands that the the book of the law says, somebody finds the book of the law. They found this old book. I mean, that's how far they've gone at that point in time where we found this old book, and they bring it forth, and wow, it's the book of the law, and they begin to read it, and Josiah tears his garments and begins to weep when he realizes how far they've fallen from the commandments that God had given them. And so we have a couple of good kings through those years that bring the people to repentance, but it's very short-lived. They go deeper and deeper into idolatry, okay? That's the kingdom years. And the prophets during those times are prophesying about the judgments coming. Because of your idolatry, because of your rebellion, he, he, he bas- they, they, they basically are continually comparing the children of Israel to harlots, to prostitutes spiritually because they've forsaken their first love. Uh, and God wanted to be spiritually a husband to that nation, and they were betrayers of that, and that judgment is certainly going to come upon them. You have that, and then you have the prophecies concerning the coming Messiah within that as well, who's going to redeem the people of their sins. And then you also have the promise of the kingdom at the last age, okay? Those are the, the, the aspects primarily of those prophets, So we're going to read from Jeremiah chapter 16 and Jeremiah chapter 31 and Jeremiah chapter 33. During the kingdom years, this is fast forwarding, okay, from the time we're at in Numbers 34, the Moses and the Israelites are just about to cross the Jordan River all the way through the time of the judges and and into the time of the kings. Now remember what we read in Deuteronomy chapter 4 that Moses said to the children of Israel, this is what's going to happen. I'm telling you what's going to happen. Jeremiah sixteen thirteen. Therefore I will cast you out of this land into a land that you do not know, neither you nor your fathers, and there you shall serve other gods day and night, where I will not show you favor. Uh, then in Jeremiah chapter thirty-one and verses thirty-three, now this is where I want to break it down a little bit, because the first one was the judgment, okay? Now, here comes now, that was in Jeremiah 16. Now, we're going to fast forward to Jeremiah 31 and 33. 31, verses 35 to 36, Thus says the Lord, who gives the sun for a light by day, the ordinance of the moon and the stars for a light by night, who disturbs the sea and its waves roar, the Lord of hosts is his name. If those ordinances depart from before me, says the Lord, then the seed of Israel shall also cease from being a nation before me forever. Jeremiah 33, verses 25 to 26. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant, I'll give you a second, sorry. Jeremiah 33, verses 25 and 26. Thus says the Lord, if my covenant is not with day and night, and if I have not appointed the ordinance of heaven and earth, then I will cast away the descendants of Jacob and David my servant, so that I will not take any of his descendants to be rulers over the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, for I will cause their captives to return, and I will have mercy on him. First Chronicles 16, verses 15 to 18, and also Psalm 105:10. This is this is first Chronicles, and in Psalm 105, these are the words of David. Remember his covenant forever, the word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant which he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac and confirmed it to Jacob for a statute to Israel for an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. Now, what I want to point out to you, that what I'm trying to get to, the point I'm trying to make here is that even within... The rebellion of the nation of Israel, okay? Now, when we get into Deuteronomy, Moses is going to go over, there's a whole chapter, almost two chapters, committed just to him reiterating all their failures, all their lapses in faith, all of their rebellions, and he reminds them of those uh, as he's giving them the blessings and the, and the cursings. And now, in the kingdom years, we find Moses' prophecy over them being fulfilled, as Jeremiah says, you're going to be taken out of this land, But in the midst of that, and this is what I want us to understand for our purposes, in the midst of that, the promises of God to the children of Israel and to the nation of Israel remain. And we read it. A statute, how long? Forever. Everlasting. A thousand generations. They will never cease. It's very important for us to understand this. Because Israel, even up to this day, is the one thing that we can look at and say they are proof of the promises of God, the promises of God fulfilled, and that the promises that he has made that have not yet been fulfilled are going to be fulfilled. The existence of the nation of Israel and all the nations around the world and even the people within our own borders who want to diminish what the nation of Israel is and claim that their borders and that the land is, and their, their uh, ownership of the land is not relevant, that it's not binding, that it really isn't their land, understand this. It's garbage. It's absolute garbage. And here's why. Here's why. It's not dependent upon the faithfulness of the people, is it? The promises of God are never dependent on the faithfulness of the people. Thank God, Right? thank God. When he, when, the Bible says that when we are faithless, he remains faithful, right? He cannot deny his own. And the same thing goes for the nation of Israel, regardless of their rebellion, regardless of the, of the, the wrongs that they have committed as a nation, as a government, whatever, whatever the case may be, that has absolutely nothing to do with the land, that has absolutely nothing to do with the promises of God. It's important that we understand that as believers in Jesus Christ. Um, so, we remember, okay, so now I want to turn to Revelation chapter 21. Actually, I'm sorry, let's turn to Matthew chapter 21. Turn with you to Matthew chapter 21. You guys all know this portion. Matthew chapter 21. Pages are so skinny. Okay, you guys found it before I did. It's not fair. I should have marked it, so I could have seemed really smart. <laughs> uh, okay, all the way down. Verse 33. Uh, Matthew chapter 21, verse 33. Hear another parable. There was a certain landowner who planted a vineyard and set a hedge around it, dug a winepress in it, and built a tower. And he leased it to vine dressers and went into a far country. Now when vintage time drew near, he sent his servants to the vine dressers that they might receive its fruit. And the vine dressers took his servants, beat one, killed one, and stoned another. Again, he sent other servants more than the first, and they did likewise to them. Then last of all, he sent his son to them, saying, They will respect my son. But when the vine dressers saw the son, they said amongst themselves, This is the heir. Come, let us kill him and seize his inheritance. So they took him and cast him out of the vineyard and killed him. Therefore, when the owner of the vineyard comes, what will he do to those vine dressers? Then they said to him, he will destroy those wicked men miserably and lease his vineyard to other vine dressers who will render to him the fruits in their seasons. Jesus said to them, have you never read the scripture, in the scriptures, the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone? This was the Lord's doing and it is marvelous in our eyes. Therefore I say to you, the kingdom of God will be taken from you and given to a nation bearing the fruits of it. And whoever falls on this stone will be broken, but on whom it falls, it will grind him to powder. Now, when the chief priests and the Pharisees heard his parables, they perceived that he was speaking of them, very perceptive of them, wasn't it? But when they sought to lay hands on him, they feared the multitudes because they took him for a prophet. Now, if you recall, when Jesus uh, rides into Jerusalem on the donkey, before that happens, uh, before he begin, he rides into, remember, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem. He weeps over the city of Jerusalem, and he says, you, you know, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you who stoned the prophets, you know, if only you knew how I longed as a mother hen to gather you to myself, but you would not have it. If, if you would have known that in this your day, what belongs to your peace. Now remember, weeks ago, we talked about the prophecy of Daniel concerning the coming prince, the coming of the Messiah, that he prophesied to the day when Jesus Christ, when the the Messiah was going to come into Jerusalem. And to the day, it's Palm Sunday. The day that Jesus Christ rode into Jerusalem was the very day that Daniel had prophesied of. And Jesus held them to that. He held them to that, that they should have known exactly what day it was and that they should have known who, who he was. And then remember when Jesus is being led away to be crucified and the daughters of Israel are weeping, the women are weeping over him when they're, when they're looking at him and they're seeing his visage and how badly he was beaten and they're weeping. And remember he turns to them and says, daughters of Jerusalem, don't weep for me. And remember, cause when they were crying out and when Pilate says, when he washes his hands, says, blood is not on my hands. Remember what they said? let his bloods be on our heads and on the heads of our children. And so as being led away to be crucified Jesus tells them and they're crying he says don't cry for me cry for your children and your children's children. Now in 70 AD we know what happened Titus Vespasian came in and he sacked Jerusalem He destroyed the temple, and at that point in history, the children of Israel were driven out of the land of Israel and scattered into all the nations. Also prophesied through the prophets in the Old Testament, scattered through all the nations for two thousand years almost, right? And Dad's talked to it about a thousand times to us until 1948, after World War II, when they were given back that land. Uh, to be their own, and the day they declared independence, they were attacked by all the nations around them, and God supernaturally sustained them and and has up until this day. What what I want to get at, the point I'm trying to make is that throughout their history, throughout their history, the children of Israel, the nation of Israel, it's been this cyclical thing where they have rebelled against God, God has brought judgment against them, and then God has restored them. And it's what was spoken by Moses, it's what was spoken by the, by, by the prophets, that God has, has told them, if you do these things, you're going to be cast out of the land, and they do those things, and they're cast out of the land, and then God brings them back. It happened with the Babylonian captivity. Now, uh, after the time of the kings, when Babylon, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, they went in and, and, again, destroyed the temple, sacked Jerusalem, and brought all the people of Israel who they didn't kill back to Babylon, they took them captive... And kept them there for seventy years until so finally they came back into the land. Okay, and during that time, that's when Daniel made his prophecies. But they were, and God called it out. He said, "I called you by name, Cyrus, that he was going to be the one that was going to release them to go back into the promised land." And that's exactly what happened. Babylon was 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 uh, defeated by the Medo Persian Empire, and King Cyrus arctic xerxes but his name was cyrus is the one who gave the decree that they would go back to to israel and rebuild jerusalem and rebuild the temple as well it's amazing and that's when that prophecy that daniel gave it went from that time until the time that the messiah would come and so god's promise was fulfilled god did exactly what he said he was going to do driving them out of the land he did exactly what he was going to said he was going to do bringing them back into the land After that point of time, you have you know under the Greek, uh, you have the after the Medo Persians, you have the Greek empires, and then the Roman empires, and all of these empires, the Jews were subjugated to them. Okay. Now I want to point out when the Jewish people came back, when the Israelites came back from the Babylonian captivity, they were forever cured of idolatry. You you never read anything after that point of them erecting a, a statue or an altar to Baal or anything like that. They were forever cured of idolatry. But an interesting thing happened. They became so absolutely um, completely consumed with the law of Moses and the interpretations of the law of Moses that they became something even worse or just as bad as idolaters. They became ultra-religious. They became ultra-religious. And their religion was based on man's reaching God. That was what the religion was based on. They become so steeped in it, so immersed in it, that when finally the promised Messiah comes, what happens, we know, they reject him completely. They reject him completely. And that's the story of the Gospels of Jesus Christ. And just as God promised, because they rejected the Messiah, this thing happens, this amazing thing happens, where the ministry, just like Moses says back in in Deuteronomy... Uh, let's see, oh no, it was, it was in uh, Jeremiah, let's see, oh, I lost it, that the ministry was going to be given to a people, another people, that's you and me, that is the Gentile church, okay, uh, after Jesus Christ died, 70 years later, after the church has been, has been born, and the church is spreading, the church is expanding, they're driven out of Jerusalem, the early believers, Uh, They're driven throughout the known world, and wherever they go, they spread the gospel, and they build these churches. In 70 AD, the destruction of Jerusalem happens, and a countdown begins at that point in time. The countdown begins at that point in time to the final promises of God being fulfilled. He fulfilled uh, them being taken into exile into Babylon. He fulfilled the promises of their return. He fulfilled the promises of the coming of the chosen one of the Messiah through Jesus Christ. He, they fulfilled, or I guess I say, he fulfilled the rejection of the Messiah, that he would be cut off. He fulfilled the promises that they would be scattered throughout the nations. Then in Ezekiel 36, 37, 38, he has fulfilled the promises that the nation of Israel would be brought back, that the Jewish people would be brought back to their homeland. Can the uh, people become a nation in a day? He's fulfilled all of those promises. And so the encouragement that we can take from that as believers is that, guess what? He's going to fulfill the rest of the promises that he's given us. He has, if he's kept all of his promises to this point, he's going to keep the rest of them. Uh, I want you to turn to Romans chapter 11 with me. Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 31. Because now here is where a lot of Christians have gotten off in the weeds concerning the nation of Israel. Is that once Jesus Christ was rejected by the Jewish leadership and by the nation... And then he was crucified, and the, of course the ministry, just as God had prophesied, went to the Gentiles at that point in time. Uh, this heresy began amongst the early a lot of the portions of the early church that God was done with the Jewish people, that God was done with the nation of Israel. In fact, when Adolf Hitler began his persecution of the Jews, one of the things that he said is, I'm only completing what the church started. Uh, because in certain points of church history, uh, not the real Church of Jesus Christ, but, but so called the Church of Jesus Christ, has persecuted the Jews. Even Martin Luther, our beloved Martin Luther, right, the son of the Reformation, who nailed the 99 thesis to the cathedral, he said that Jews should have their tongues cut out and their synagogues set on fire. He was a massive anti Semite. And so the church has been replete with anti Semitism. And the church has been replete with what's called this replacement theology. Uh, The idea that we are now the the promised ones of God. We, We have inherited that promise that was given to the land of Israel, to the nation of Israel, to Abraham, to Isaac, and Jacob. That all now belongs to the church. And I don't know for the life of me how anybody could read through the Bible as it's written and come away with that. The problem is, is that at some point in time, Churches and Christians began to not take the Bible literally. Began to not look look at the Bible exactly as it's written and say, that's what it means. The promises that we read that God gave to the nation of Israel, he was very, very clear, wasn't he? That they were forever. Now listen to what Paul says in Romans chapter 11, verses 25 to 31. For I do not desire, brethren, that you should be ignorant... "...of this mystery, lest you should be wise in your own opinion, that blindness in part has happened to Israel until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in, and so all Israel will be saved. (laughs) As it is written, the Deliverer will come out of Zion, and he will turn away ungodliness from Jacob, for this is my covenant with them when I take away their sins." Now, concerning the gospel, they are enemies for your sake. But concerning the election, they are beloved for the sake of the fathers. Here it is. For the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet now having obtained mercy through their disobedience... uh, Excuse me. For as you were once disobedient to God, yet have now obtained mercy through their disobedience... Even so, these also have now become disobedient, that through the mercy shown you, they may also obtain mercy. And Paul goes on, read Romans, Rome, the book of Romans, the whole book of Romans, but Paul's teachings and Paul's exhortations on the nation of Israel are very, very, very clear. God is not done with the nation of Israel. In fact, when we get into Revelation... After the rapture of the church in the time of the tribulation, before the, the real time of the tribulation begins, the first thing God does is He seals, remember, 144,000 virgin Jewish males. I don't know where He gets them from. <laughs> I don't know where, don't, but it says 12,000 from each tribe, from each of the 12 tribes, 144,000 are sealed by God to go and to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. The ministry goes back to Israel. When the church is taken out of this world in the rapture, when we're gone from this place, the ministry is going to go back to the nation of Israel, and God is going to do a tremendous amount, both good and bad, uh, in judgment and in reconciliation with the nation of Israel during the seven-year tribulation period. But when Jesus Christ comes back, where does he go? Washington? He sets his foot on the White House, and it splits in half, if only. (laughs) (laughs) Where, Where does he go? He goes to Jerusalem. He touches his foot, touches the Mount of Olives. A valley is opened up. The earth opens up. The ancient eastern gate that it was prophesied Messiah would ride through is exposed because it's underground. And Jesus rides into Jerusalem and sits at the throne of David. The promises that God has given to the nation of Israel uh, are forever. Chuck, you want to put up the last slide? Now, look at this. Go back once, I'm sorry. Go back two go back one more. Remember, this is Genesis chapter 15, okay? I'm going to end with this, I promise. Genesis chapter 15, this is what God tells Abraham belong to to his descendants. Now, remember, we've talked about in the past that God told Abraham that his descendants would be like the sand of the seashore, right? And he also says, your descendants will be like the stars in the heavens. My, My understanding of that, what I believe that God is trying to say to Abraham in those scriptures is that not only are you going to have an earthly Inheritance, or an, uh, excuse me, an earthly posterity, but you're going to have a spiritual posterity, right? And Paul points it out: that we are all sons and daughters of Abraham, right? He is the father of all who believe. He is the father of all who believe, and so part of the promises that are given to Abraham belong to you. The spiritual promises belong to you. But also, here's the borders from Genesis chapter 15. Skip to the last one, Chuck. That's Revelation chapter 21. That's the new Jerusalem that you're looking at. Look how large that is. Look how massive and expansive that is. I mean, if they're mad about the borders of Israel now, you can only imagine. Can you imagine that? That's the new Jerusalem that belongs to the Israelites and to you and me and to all who are in Jesus Christ. Those are the borders that are ultimately going to be where we live. I can't even believe it. I can't even imagine it. Can you? You know that song we sing? We will meet in the golden city in the new Jerusalem. Boing! That's it, man. That's where it's going to be. God's promises are forever. They are trustworthy. You can count on it. You can take it to the bank. The whole point for us of looking to the nation of Israel and God's promises to the nation of Israel, it's not because we just love the Jews so much... Just because Jews are the greatest people that have ever lived on the face of the planet. What draws believers in Jesus Christ to the Jewish people and to Israel are the promises of God. If you ever go to Israel, I promise you, you will be absolutely knocked off your feet. Because there's something about that land. Because God says, this is my land this is mine. It doesn't belong. You won't sell the land. You won't give the land away. He told the children of Israel because it ain't yours. It's mine. And I'll tell you what, man, if you ever get a chance to go to Israel, take it because it is unbelievable just to be there, to stand there and you can feel it, man. And you go to some of the, some of the places and some of the sites and see the things from scripture and man, you just, you just feel it inside. The promises that God has made to the children of Israel. You are a part of that now. You are joint heirs you're the heir. When Jesus gave the parable of the vine, uh, the, the the owner of the vineyard and the vine dressers, and remember said, Here comes the heir, here comes the heir. You are joint heirs, the Bible says with Jesus Christ. That's incredible. And what's more, we're engrafted branches into all the promises that God gave the nation of Israel. When all of those promises are finally fulfilled, and they will be fulfilled, like I said, coming into the land, the Babylonian captivity, the return to the land, the coming of the Messiah, the rejection of the Messiah, the being scattered throughout the earth, being brought back into the land, 1948, has all been fulfilled. Incredible! It's the only holy book. It's the only spiritual book in the world that has prophecies. Roughly one third of the Bible are prophecy. Is prophecy, and it's prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy fulfilled. It's gonna happen, man. I cannot, absolutely cannot wait. Especially with everything that's going on in the earth, in the world, or in the world right now, right? Man, I can't wait for the coming of Jesus Christ. So let's pray, and and maybe He'll come during our prayer. Amen. Heavenly Father, uh, we come before you in Jesus' name, and we, we glorify you, Father. We praise you. We thank you, uh, Lord, for the for the promises that you've made, Lord, not only to the nation of Israel, but to us as well, Father. We're so grateful and thankful, Father, that someday when those promises are all fulfilled with the nation of Israel, we'll be standing right there with you, watching it happen, Father, and we'll be a part of it forever. Uh, we pray, Lord God, that you would put encouragement and, and joy and in our hearts, Father, because of uh, that understanding and because of those promises, Lord, that we would be driven to serve you with all of our might, Lord, that we would be driven uh, into a greater relationship with you, Lord, into loving you more. Uh, we're so thankful, Father, for what you've done, as you always say, and what you're doing and what you're going to do, Lord. And we just pray, Lord, that we would always be seeking to walk in the light as you were in the light, to avoid the darkness, to avoid the pitfalls of this life, and to not follow the train of men, Lord, uh, who goes down to um, what Solomon talks about, the house of folly, Lord, to the pit, but we would listen to the voice of wisdom from the hilltop crying, come to me, Lord, all you simple ones, uh, that, we would, that we would hear that voice, Father, and that we would run to you, that we would run to your word, that we would run to the promises that you've given us, Father. And we're grateful for them, and we're grateful for you and who you are, Father, Uh, We pray, Lord God, that you would be with us throughout this week. I pray that you would bless these these friends of mine, Father. I pray that you would watch over them and protect them. I pray, Father, that you would cause your face to shine upon them, that you'd be gracious to them in everything that they do, Lord, at home and at work uh, and with their family and friends, Lord, and all their travels. I pray that you would uh, prepare the way for them, Lord, and that you would give them opportunity to tell people about Jesus, to shine the light that you've put in their hearts, Father. Have your way in us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thanks, everybody.